It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, you guys are doing great in the comment section. This is a lot of fun. Uh, we haven't even made a dent in this thing yet, Jeff. So uh, let's just keep rolling right with it. Uh, let's see here. Have you watched any of this? This is, I thought this was a good question. Johan's asking if you've watched any of the Caribbean series. Have you, have you checked any of this out? I have not got a chance to, but I know that Doug has tweeted about it. And I know some folks have been talking about that. It's been very entertaining baseball, very good baseball to watch as well. <laughs> BR7. <laughs> Ian Jabot. <laughs> this guy's British. Blimey. I can hear that kind of in a in a British accent. That's very very good. Calvin's asking, do you do you remember the name of the German player that the Reds had a few years back that had power but disappeared? He was a first baseman, right? Lutz, the, Lutz, Donald Lutz. Yeah, he, Donald he, Lutz. I think he played a little bit of first base, but he's mostly a corner outfielder. Oh, I, see. I only ever remember him playing first base in spring training when Joey was done for the day. That's those are my memories of him. Yeah, Donald Donald Lutz. I want to say he came off the bench a couple of times in the regular season, but yeah, it was one of those where his his off the field story was really interesting. He just never quite caught on on the field. All right, now we're going to get to the fun part. People were answering something I said earlier. BR7 wants you to know that he was real. We're talking about Pedro Guerrero. Greg checks in and says, Pedro was great for the Dodgers. Come on, Jeff. Yes, Pedro was great for the Dodgers. I, I looked up the stats while we were doing the show prep because I was absolutely just mind blown that Jeff didn't know who this guy was. Uh, Pedro Guerrero played 16 big league seasons. He was a 300 hitter for his 16 big league seasons, and Jeff doesn't even know the guy's name. Come on, man, as they would say on ESPN. I don't know. No one born yet. <laughs> Jeez, thanks. <laughs> Pat Pat talking about Nick Senzel says Senzel seems primed to be non-tendered after this season. Could you see them doing that? Could you see them actually non-tendering him? I th- it just depends because he he got a raise this year, but it was only a slight raise. He's not making a ton of money. So I think that if if they're gonna non-tender him, it's for financial reasons. And I don't necessarily think that he's gonna be that expensive. So it, the, the the question's going to be, is he actually holding up a roster spot from someone? And then you'll look at the non-tendering thing. But I don't know. I would put that chance at less than 25%. And and he doesn't have a lot of trade value. So, I mean, it's either. There's no trade value. I, I mean, I guess I can see where the question comes from in that if they do got to move him to make space, uh, the only way to do that is to cut him because there's, there's really not going to be anything that they could get in return. Again, the only thing you'd get for Nixon Zell is a Nixon Zell type player from the other team. It's just going to be like Robert Stevenson for uh, Jeff Hoffman, which, by the way, I found out Robert Stevenson is a Pittsburgh Pirate. Did not know that. So we're going to get to face him this year. Oh, maybe we can talk some smack at Ethan. You know, <laughs> yeah. I always look, I always look forward to doing the crossovers with Locked On Pirates. Oh, yeah. uh, Calvin asks, is there any news on updates to Great American Ballpark or the experience the Reds are going to be providing this year? I know this, they've got a sports book now. Yeah, that that one started January 1st, and that's open all year long. You can go. It, it's like facing the entrance to Heritage Bank Arena. I always forget. They change the name of the bank every other year. But where the Cyclones play, um, it, it faces right there. 
But other than that, I've not heard of anything. I know that, you know, in the middle of spring training, we'll hear the update about what's new in the food of the ballpark. Cause I know that that's a topic that's come up this off season. There's some that don't believe the food options are that great at great American. Now, yeah, I, I don't, I don't agree with you, but I also would agree if you're looking for something that is like sort of health conscious a little bit, you're not going to find a whole lot. Like they're going to no, be sir. like, there's water over here, but <laughs> you know where the best, do you want to know where the best food at great American ballpark is Fry box. across the street at the taco joint? What is it called? <laughs> Whatever the taco joint is across the street. I have go you, there. Okay. Have I go there had, every time. Have you had the, the, um, bread cone parfait at the smokehouse? No, I have. It's not. good. Okay. I'll, we'll try it because to, to the, to the point of this question with the experiences, uh, yeah. you know, I am coming into town for the first week. So, uh, I am doing some experiences folks. Uh, so I've got opening day. I'm going to be with Jeff. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then, uh, regular wandering the ballpark on the second game of the season, third game of the season, diamond seats, baby. I have got myself some diamond seats. I haven't done that. And then when the Cubs come to town, I will be at the handlebar. So I am doing some ballpark experiences. I will report back in a couple, uh, maybe lefty in the bullpen shorts or while I'm in town talking about these experiences that I'm going to have so that you all can decide if you want to um, pony up the extra bucks to do a couple of these things. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it, Jeff. I don't blame you. That that was one thing that I feel like over the last few years, they've really spent a lot of attention on the premium experiences at Great American Ballpark. They need to kind of, you know, circle the, their way back for, you know, common man Reds fan and, and not not be like, yes, we have this new thing, but you have to buy a table and the table itself is about $6,000. Like, oh, Boone County Press Club is just like, come on, guys. Like, seriously. Yeah, I was talking to the ticket guy about that, and he quoted me the price, and I'm like, moving on. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's season tickets. Like, I mean, come on. Greg Hughes wants you to know that Pedro killed the Reds all the time, Jeff. You know, I, I, so did Bill I, Hall. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Like, there's lots of guys that kill the Reds, but I just that's one guy. Like, I mean, had I watched him, I probably remember him because I'm going to remember Bill Hall for the rest of my life. And there's probably few outside of Brewers fans and Reds fans that give a darn about Bill Hall. <laughs> Poofy haired fancy boy, love this guy. Thanks for being here, Poofy hair. Uh, he checks in and asks, "Can someone explain why Major League Baseball players seem to get hurt more these days uh, than they were in the past? It doesn't make any sense. I think there's a lot of reasons for this." From the pitching side of things, uh, pitchers are trying to do things that pitchers in the past never tried to do. I, these maximum effort, yeah. maximum rotation, spin as much ro rotation as you can are damaging to arms. And I think that's why we see more injuries. You know, if you look back at the history of pitchers, you can you can count on one hand over between say the fifties and the eighties guys that could throw the ball a hundred miles an hour. Now everybody throws the ball a hundred miles an hour. That's why you see more injuries on the pitching side on the hitting side of things. I don't have as an easy uh, of an explanation for the reds. I think the reds blamed a lot of what went down with all of the injuries on the strength and conditioning guys and on the medical staff because they fired them all and brought in new people. 
I think, and, and, and I've heard, I've heard this talked about by a number of different people, whether they be, you know, youth sports coaches or, uh, physical trainers or things like that. There is so much more specialization in youth sports nowadays where like player people will determine, well, this kid's really good at baseball and he's got a really good arm or, you know, he's got a, a great approach at the, at the plate or something like that. And they, they almost hone in too early and you've got kids that play baseball all year long, whether you're talking about school leagues, summer leagues, winter leagues, travel ball, all this other stuff. And they almost build their lives around it. And you know, in one in one sense, that's great because you're setting the kid up for his future. But in the other sense, I, I think that there's been a lot of debate about this. And there's people that are far more smarter about the subject than I am that can talk, uh, you know, more in depth about it. But there there's something to be said about kids that just spend their lives getting ready for a career that they will hope that they have. And it's kind of set them up for failure, at least early on. I mean, that's why you've heard about people who, you know, in the minor leagues, they get drafted and a year later they have their second Tommy John surgery because there's kids who are 16 who are having Tommy John surgery because they've pitched for their entire lives. So it's, it's a really, it's a very strange thing. And it's the way that our culture has developed because I mean, we joke about it all the time. It's like, Hey, you know, you have a son, Let's train him to throw a ball with his left hand because he's probably going to have a pretty nice career doing that. Uh, I mean, I know it didn't work out for you, Steve. That's okay, but uh, <laughs> but okay, no. all right. <laughs> hey, it didn't work out for me throwing with my right hand. I'll tell you that. Uh, so I can throw sunflower seeds with my right hand into my mouth. That's about as good as I can do on a baseball field, but. No, and, and actually, to your point, too, about the 100% pitching, I know I've gone a little bit long with this thought, but I heard an awesome take, and I was very happy to hear it on Baseball America's podcast when they were talking about the Reds' minor league system. They said that the biggest development for Chase Petty over the last year is that they pitch really well at 90% or at 95%, and that's just something that people aren't doing anymore, which I was happy to hear that, so, you know, that's one guy who's coming up through the system that we know for a fact isn't going 100% on every pitch. BR7 uh, tried to get this question in last Aloha Friday, and it was too late. So I'm going to get it in here this time for him. He says, Jeff and Steven, can you guys do a show on what all of these new stats? He's talking about war. He's talking about OPS. Uh, you know, OPS plus. I use OPS plus all the time. Uh, these stats he doesn't quite understand what they all mean and wants to know if we can do a show. Uh, he says he's an old baseball fan and he, he doesn't understand all of them. Uh, you know, Jeff, I, I don't know that we can, I don't know about doing a whole show cause I think people would tune us out, but you know, I've, I've often thought about maybe trying to, you know, make a list of these stats, uh, the ones we like anyway, mm -hmm. and then just dropping one into every episode and taking a minute, yeah. you know, like an actual literal minute, and just explaining what that stat is and, you know, working that in between now and the start of the season so that when we get to opening day, we've kind of done a, a statistics primer for everybody that doesn't know all of these stats so that when we talk about them, once the season starts, everybody's kind of on the same page. I just marked that down. We'll make a, we'll make, yeah, like a couple seconds, maybe like a segment or something uh, at on different shows throughout spring training. Cause you're right. I mean, that's, there are some statistics that do need a little bit of explanation and things like that. Like a lot of them are just because they figured out a way 
to take all of the counting stats and put them into like a formula and then put them into one number. And that's kind of where we get these different numbers like that. So yeah, that'd, that'd be a good idea. All right. Let's see what else we got here, Jeff. I, I failed to scroll while you were talking. And people, always, people who know their man. It always puts me behind. Here we go. Jimmy McFarland. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, he asks uh, if we are oh, keeping yeah. up with Joey Votto on Instagram. Listen, there was supposed to be a segment on Joey and his chess playing this week, but things kind of got derailed with my schedule and Jeff didn't get to talk about it. So uh, yeah, I'm following Joey Votto on social media and uh, I think Joe Burrow is styling him right now because the stuff <laughs> yeah. that Joey Votto is wearing to these chess matches, I think probably came right out of Joe Burrow's closet. The the Gucci, I think it was Gucci outfit that he had in that video was absolutely hilarious. And there's not a soul that watches that and doesn't like it. Like, I think that Joey Votto has transformed his legacy a little bit like his legacy was always that of a good player, but he was kind of quiet. And now his legacy is that of a good player and an entertaining person. And it's, it's kind of cool to see. Poofy Harris is a love the chess picks and and love it. Absolutely love it. Hey, Calvin asked a great question. I don't know how deep you want to go on this, Jeff, because this could almost be a whole episode because I did see this article and I thought it was super interesting. Calvin asked if we saw the article in The Athletic. Uh, they had a recent post about a proposed realignment if when Major League Baseball does another expansion to 32 teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you caught this article, but it was basically ditching the American and the National League and going to true regional setups with a, you know, a, a northeast section and a north section. And I want to say the Reds, it was like the Reds, Cleveland, Detroit, Toronto and maybe one other, maybe that was it, but you know, Pittsburgh was going someplace else. No, the Chicago was, so it was like both the Chicago's and Milwaukee and Minnesota formed, you know, so it was truly regionalized and I don't think it's a bad idea. Uh, the The difference now that the differences between the leagues has gone away, I don't know that you have to keep this American national league format. You could really go to a regional regional groupings, true regional groupings, uh, that I think would be entertaining if if the Reds had Cleveland and Detroit and one other in their division. You know, I don't know about Toronto because they're usually pretty good. But anybody else, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, give me Kansas City, Kansas City uh, and, and I'm yeah, happy. Yeah. Yes, maybe but Pittsburgh. I, I, I don't we'll think this it. is a bad idea. No, I like that, and I'll have to go back and check the article out myself. But the idea of regional realignment—I mean, baseball is a regional sport anyway—and I've never understood why the and justin and i were talking about this off air before our episode about will benson we never understood why the reds and guardians have this rivalry obviously it's because they're in the same state but they have this rivalry and they play four games a year like okay like in the course of an 162 game season who cares who wins those four games like it's nice you want to win every game that you get but especially when you have the four game series and there's an ability to tie the Ohio cup, like, and plus I just want to refer to it as the Ohio cup as much as possible throughout the year. So give me more games against Cleveland and give me some games. I don't understand why there's not at least some form of friendly rivalry between the reds and the tigers. The reds never play the tigers and they're one of the quickest trips for the reds. Like that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I don't know why they don't play him. 
And it, and it would be great for a lot of reasons. It would limit travel. The players would be less tired. Everybody can kind of settle into a better routine. I, I, I like it. I mean, yeah, I, you know what, guys? I think there could be at least a full segment on a future show about this. Jeff, you read up on this article and we'll dig into it because uh, I, I thought it was I thought it was a great proposal. I, I really did. Making plans on a Friday. Jared on vinyl says, Will Benson is exciting. Uh, there's that outfield trade that we were watching for. Yeah, uh, we were wondering if they were going to go out and do something. And then and Nick Carl kept saying things to make me think they weren't going to go out and do something. Uh, and, and he surprised us. And I'm really glad that he did. I, I truly think if Benson plays at all to his potential, uh, that this outfield can be a whole lot better this year than it was last year. I, I think, and, and it was interesting because, you know, Zordon commented earlier, but he commented on our episode from yesterday and he was like, you know, this looks like Brandon Phillips trade 2.0. And that's exactly the take that I was coming back with too. Like just hope Benson lives up to that. And, I mean, and not there necessarily you go. lives up to Brandon Phillips potential, but you know, like he's that guy that the Reds got for next to nothing that all of a sudden blossomed into a good major leaguer. Yeah, you and Greg are on the same page. He says the last few unknowns that we got from Cleveland, Brandon Phillips and Sean Casey. He has big hopes for Benson. I, I, hey, if he ends up having a career that's as notable as those two, those two guys had while they played for the Reds, I will take that every day. You're talking about two Reds Hall of Famers right there. I mean, that's that's some big shoes to fill and live up to for Will Benson. But hey, who knows? Poofy heritage. I listen if you're if you're watching the show live on youtube make sure you just scroll and see poofy stuff he's very clever but i can't put it in the show uh, but he's very funny just go check it out we're not talking about the baseball bats in the locker room poofy i'm not doing it uh jimmy mcfarland says that aleo lopez reminded him of bip roberts jeff do you know who bip roberts is i do okay well i feel know, like that might be an over i think though. that i think that bip roberts probably had a little bit more pop in his bat than aleo lopez did but you know the hustle the base stealing the being able to to move around multiple positions yeah those are similar but i think you know bip roberts occasionally would would hit one yard um i think he had just a little bit more power there was more to Bip Roberts, I think, in, in saying, I, I don't know, I think that might be a disservice to Bip Roberts comparing Alejo Lopez to him. The over-under <laughs> over question, Jeffrey. Here you go. The over-under on Nick Senzel playing 100 games this year. Does, I don't know about does, DraftKings, but I know FanDuel. FanDuel have, have um, those odds, yeah. <laughs> uh, over-under 100 games. Let's make it a hundred and a half so you can't push. I'm gonna say under. You're gonna take the over, aren't you? No, I'm I'm saying under. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. It's I, so I hard am. to say over with him because the most what what was it? The most he played was last year, and I think it was 114. I'm mm -hmm. trying to remember that off the top of my head, but yeah. Yeah, if in, in this scenario, I would take the under as well. Uh, this the the body of work says that that's not a safe bet. To, to take the over there oh. and the odds on that should be should be pretty good if you bet the over and you hit the over you should should get a little bit of money there because yeah 100 just seems rough poofy's saying he'll play 40 or 50 i think it'll be more than that i would if if the over under was at 85 if, if the over under was at 85 i would take the over yeah I, 88 I, I think. yeah, I could yeah. It just and it also depends too on how good he is because if he continues to struggle early on in the season, 
and we start making some call-ups, then he's going to be one of those guys that it's like, okay, we have him on the bench, you know, for insurance, but we're not expecting anything out of him. So we're going to play more, play some other guys more than him. So I, I, there's, there's health. Sure. That's always a concern with Nick Senzel, but he's coming to the point in his career where, like you said, like it is a make or break season for him to the point that if he still is breaking, I think they're going to go elsewhere. Jimmy McFarlane says that you and I mentioned Matt McLean a lot. What about Austin Hendricks? Well, here's the thing with Austin Hendricks. He's plummeting on everybody's lists. It's just not the fact that we're not talking about him. Uh, you know, he's just not really developed and come along in a way that everybody had kind of hoped that he was going to. He, um, the, the baseball America podcast that I listened to that was talking about chase petty. They were, they were talking about the reds farm system as a whole. And they also looked at, Austin Hendrick and they grouped him together with Reese Hines and they said that the problem with with both those guys are the Reds picked them out of high school and what they were known for was their power and they thought what was going to happen was the hit tool would come along they would learn how to have plate discipline they would learn pitch recognition and all that stuff and it just hasn't happened Austin Hendrick strikes out a lot like I think it was like 50% last year of the time he struck out it was really high and on top of that he has health concerns as well so there's there's a lot of work that he has to do to really put himself back on the reds radar to say nothing of anyone else's radar there's a there's a great conversation surrounding nick senzel in the chat jeff and basically you know a large portion of the commenters are kind of done with the nick senzel experiment they're questioning you know, his, his desire to really like play the game and be successful. I don't buy into that. Um, and I know he's done some things that haven't sat well. Uh, someone mentions, you know, him laughing and just like eating chips in the dugout after he got hurt, you know, hurt the toe or whatever. And I, I, I granted he's not always handled himself well, but I think he has a desire to be a successful big leaguer. And I just, I just think it hasn't worked out for him. I'm not one to question, you know, the desire of a player that's I'm not going to go there. I just don't, I don't know what he can do from a production standpoint. I mean, he, he really would have to go off. He would really have to increase all of his production across the board, base running, hitting defense, everything for me to say, okay, he really is part of the Reds future plans because I think we're moving past that point. Greg Hughes wants to sign Donovan Solano. With the slash line of uh, 284, 339, 385, and 80 games last season. Where are you going to play him? Uh, and who are you willing to sit? Are, are you going to make Donovan Solano your shortstop and sit Newman? And then what do you do when Ellie De La Cruz comes? Uh, do you move Jonathan India to DH and make Solano the second baseman? Uh, I, I mean, that's the first question. Second question is, you know, I think Solano is going to ultimately go someplace where he can win a little bit. So, yeah. And, and that's, that's where I land with Solano too, is that if the Reds thought that they were close to contention, they would sign him. But the stated goal for this year is figure out where you've got guys, where, where your top prospects are landing, how good are they really try to close the gap from where the Reds are to where their window of contention is. Because like we have said in the past, we think that they can get that window open in 2024. But in order to do that, you've got to play the young guys this year. 
this year is about playing those young guys and figuring out who you have. And if you sign Donovan Solano, you're going to be taking playing time away from guys that you need to figure out. You got to figure out what you got with Spencer Steer. That's why they got rid of Mike Mustakis. So I can't see them going out and signing Donovan Solano and then saying, hey, we'll put him in the lineup, we'll play him at third base and take it bats away from Spencer Steer. I mean, we don't very often define something as having a 0% chance of it happening. But I th- I think there's a 0% chance that the Reds are going to go out and sign Donovan Solano. There's just the money's not going to work. The, the ability to have a place for him to play is not going to work. Uh, it just, it doesn't fit into the plan. And so yeah. I, I mean, very, very rare for me to say 0% chance, but I think 0% chance that they would go out and do that. Hey, our friend David Pemberton is checking in in the chat. Jeff, David, we will see you opening day. I know that for a fact. Uh, he asked, what is our take on the map that was recently out on Twitter showing population density near uh, each MLB sports market? The Reds were near the top of that chart. Did you see this thing that he's talking about? I, I, I vaguely did, remember and, and, it. And a lot of it just had to do with the fact that there's really no teams that are geographically close to the Reds. Like I think the closest one is can't remember if it's Pittsburgh or if it's uh, Chicago, but they're both pretty similar distance away. And even if there were a team in Nashville, you're still talking a lot of, uh, a lot of population that the Reds, the, the kind of Reds country, you always talk about this, you know, ambiguous Reds country and things like that, and how there really is no defined border to it, but you can kind of estimate this this area around Cincinnati and how there there are a lot of people that are within the television viewing range of the Reds. And it seems as though the Reds have almost forgotten that. And, and they, and they like, okay, well, we're going to be good. Eventually. It's like, if you were good year in and year out, you would constantly have TV revenue. You'd constantly have people, you know, wanting to come to the ballpark because you've got all these people that are close enough to Cincinnati. Like, cause they always talk about, well, Cincinnati is one of the smaller television markets, but that's literally considering the city of Cincinnati and not the area that surrounds it. All right. We have crossed the one hour mark, Jeff. So let's take a few more of these and then we will wrap it up for the day. Joseph Nelson's in the chat and he thinks he's a funny guy. He just wonders in my long broadcasting career, did I ever have long hair? No. That time you knew who Pedro Guerrero was, right? Oh my God. No, I never had long hair. Um, Funny story. I had great head of hair until my freshman year of high school and the seniors made all of the freshmen on the football team shave their head and it never grew back right <laughs> after that. And by the time I graduated from high school, uh, it was already time to give up the dream and go to the buzz cut. So, so whenever, my, heads, my heads look like this for a long time. Whenever people say don't shave your head because it might not grow back, you're the cautionary tale. I am the cautionary <laughs> tale, my friend that's great let's finish up with this because we have not talked about this guy at all and i know you have some opinions uh pat says that he looked at luke weaver's game logs from the last couple of seasons because he was curious and it seems that most of the games he started were pretty decent starts besides a couple of uh, blow up starts or injuries and that skewed the numbers basically um do you see a scenario where weaver is a starter for this team in 2023 I do simply because 
they know they can throw him out there every fifth day and whatever he does, he's just eating innings for this team. They're going to say, you're going out, you're throwing six innings. Cause that's what they did with Mike Miner last year. They, they essentially found a more cost-effective Mike Miner. Like Mike Miner was making, I think it was 10 million last year to do what he did. And if Luke Weaver does what Mike they Miner did, does. They didn't pay that much, but yeah, it was, there yeah. was some cash trading back and forth right. and part of Amir Garrett's salary and a whole thing, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but even then you're still getting a discounted rate for probably what Mike Miner did last year. And if we look at Luke Weaver and we say, if you got an ERA that's in the low fives for the season, then I think you've done your job. And I think that's probably what we're going to get out of Luke Weaver. That's why whenever they signed him, I kind of poo-pooed it a little bit. I said, oh, right. He's a veteran in the sense that he's pitched before, but that's really what they're looking for. They're just looking for a fifth guy that they can run out there and they don't have to beat up a rookie for that one day. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's hit just a couple more of these uh, while I'm looking for one. Mark's also, and I forgot about, Oh, before you answer that, I forget. I always forget about this. When we talk about Luke Weaver, do you remember what trade he was involved in? Because he was the headline prospect that the diamondbacks got whenever they traded Paul Goldschmidt to St. Louis, the headline prospect. Okay. So it's kind of funny to think about that. Like at one time he was regarded well enough to trade for Paul Goldschmidt. Let's hit a few more. Let's just buzz through these. Mark's asking what I'm drinking over here, Jeff. Uh, Is it Elijah Craig? Look like Elijah Craig. It was, it was Elijah Craig. He also says, you know, it's like 9 a.m. in Hawaii. It's a little early, isn't it? Listen, he works nice. I came straight from work. And did this show. So this is the end of my day. Um, but yeah, it is a little early in Hawaii. That's why this um, is water. Cause my day is just really right. Cause you know, we're on opposite ends of the calendar right now. <laughs> Let's see what else we got. Is there anything we want to throw in here before we get out of here, Jeff? Sorry. Um, uh Oh, I'm trying to go fast, Jeff. Thinking um, while you're while you're doing some scrolling, think for next week, everybody, because I know that we've we've seen some repeat folks. Which, by the way, thank you so much for joining us each and every week here on Fridays at 1:30 p.m. Eastern Time for the Aloha Live Edition, and and we've seen some folks come back a couple of different times. For those of you that will be joining us again next Friday, have a thought in your head because I'm curious who everybody thinks is going to be this team's MVP this year. Because I think I know but I don't want it to be like, I, I want to get your guys' take on this. Cause I'm curious. So I don't think I have the same take, but we'll see. <laughs> Here you go, Jeff locked on pirates checks in and says, how's our NL central best friends doing? Uh, Ethan over at locked on pirates is my favorite guy to rise on the whole network. You guys, um, he's a Georgia bulldogs fan. First of all, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, he needs to, uh, there's still room for him. Uh, to check out some Ohio State games. I'm going to try and make that happen. So that's the first terrible part. The second terrible part is he's a Pirates guy in the National League Central, so terrible times two. Uh, you know, it's just bad all the way around. I love to give him static, but the problem is I talk a lot of smack at him, and it always blows up in my face. So <laughs> there we go. But Ethan's a great guy. If you have uh, interest in other teams in our division, guys, jump around to the other Locked On shows, and, and Ethan's is a good one to, to figure out what's going on with, uh, with Pittsburgh Pirates. I have been saying uh, that I think that the Pirates are getting better. And I just 
Let me see if I can show this. Um, make sure. Yeah. Well, no, I won't show it, but I'll let you know. I took the over on Pittsburgh Pirates wins. It was set at 67 and a half, and I took the over. So just to let you know, staying on brand, but I'm going, I'm putting some money behind what I'm saying. I think the Pirates are going to be better this year. All right, two questions, and then we're out, guys. I know we didn't get to everybody, uh, but that's the beauty. We're going to do it again next week. So uh, here's our second to last. This comes from Anthony. Can India hit 30 home runs this year if healthy? Absolutely. Yes. I think I think 30 is probably like the mid-level. I could see him going a couple over, a couple under, but 30 sounds about right to me. 30 with an on-base percentage of around 360. Wow, we agree, Jeff. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> and then we'll we'll go here to to wrap up on a on a positive note. Uh, hey, what's good, fellas? Uh, you think we can be a surprise wild card sleeper? I know that's a steep stretch. Uh, well, Jeff thinks they're going to win seventy five games, so that puts them squarely in contention for the final wild card spot. Uh, I've said all along that this team has the ability to stumble its way into being a contender for that final spot. Listen, not win the division, not be the number one wild card team, but stumble their way. If some things go their way. Uh, I, I don't know that it's that far fetched to talk about them being relevant into September and then whatever happens happens at that point. But I think uh, we could reach September 1st and the Reds could still be hanging around and forcing people to pay attention and talk about them. I think so. I always think of like the chart that they use when they're talking about playoff scenarios and they give like a percentage chance of what's going to happen. I think if you gave a percentage chance of the Reds winning the division, it's less than 1%. If you gave the percentage chance of the Reds making the wild card, it's like two or 3%. You literally have to have everything. Everything has to go right. Joey Votto has to have a comeback player of the year campaign. You got to have a rookie of the year campaign from Ellie De La Cruz, maybe a runner-up rookie of the year campaign from Will Benson. You've got to have all three starting pitchers in Green Lodola and Ashcraft stay healthy and take a step further. You have to have Alexis Diaz stay healthy and take a step further, and or at least continue what he did last year. Lucas Sims, TJ Antone, Tony Santion, all return from injury back to pre-injury forms. You're, you're going to have Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India not get hurt and, and continue to play well. Jonathan India probably does have to hit the higher side of 30 and get on base maybe even more than 36% of the time. We're, we're talking about a lot. A lot has to happen. They all have to go right, but that's the beauty of things. Sometimes everything goes right. That's why it's like a 2%. I give him, I give him a 2% chance of making the wild card. Wow. <laughs> All right. Ethan <laughs> puts two rings. Yeah, I know Georgia won two rings. So I see, I can't, I can't talk any smack at him. <laughs> and the final comment on the screen for the day is going to come from Greg saying, Jeff taking the over shocker. <laughs> and on that Get note, ready. Jeff wrap us up. Get ready. The over is getting taken a lot more once we get some like individual player statistics on FanDuel. We'll we'll keep our eye out for that. We're going to keep our eye out for a lot of different things. How Reds are going to play in the World Baseball Classic as Lexus Diaz, Rivar San Martin, Ian Jabot, Tehran Guerrero, Luis Sessa. They're all going to be pitching in the World Baseball Classic, and we're going to be watching. Plus, as spring training, as everybody starts reporting next week, we're going to be telling you who's in the best shape of their lives and how everything's going to Not fare us. this 
Yeah, not us. Uh, during the spring training time. Plus, you can bet that we are going to take the over on some things when it comes to the Cincinnati Reds because we are locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 